Hello, this is Social Distancer. My name is Pete, and this is episode 104. And I had a very entertaining and scintillating... Is it scintillating or scintillating? I think it's scintillating. Um, Zoom meetup with old friends from around the world this evening and um, New Zealand a friend of mine who lives in um, uh, Athens but is from New Zealand we were talking about Jacinda O'Hearn and he was telling me that um, there's a uh, I didn't know this but there's an election in September in New Zealand and Jacinda is it looks like that she's going to be okay and she's going to get in for a second term but the opposition have just voted have have just uh, elected a new leader the opposition by the you know uh, these are this kind of right wing centre right party called the National Party and the new leader is called Todd Muller sounds like a politician you can trust Todd Muller and Mr. Muller well, he's doing great guns in the old polls for the National Party. They're uh, kind of climbing up the polls. And Jacinda's party, is the Labour Party, is um, slipping a little bit. But in terms of prefer- preferred leader, Jacinda is way ahead of Muller. And, of course, that might tighten as, or close, as, um, you know, people get to know Muller. Um... Yeah, and I don't know how um, heavy Muller is. Maybe he's Muller light. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, that's uh, interesting. So that's September the nineteenth is the uh, the New Zealand poll, the New Zealand general election, and uh, you know, I mean, it would be insane if I was saying to him like. Did, like, doesn't everyone think that she's the best leader on the planet, you know? And he was saying, well, actually, like, she is like a proper, you know, left-wing leader. So, of course, anyone connected to money is, you know, opposing her with everything they've got. And also uh, a friend whose parents live in Turin, um, he lives in Dublin, um, he, we were talking about Turin a little bit, and he was saying, and quite a lot of these guys that we were talking to tonight, you know, they've got parents and relatives in other places, like very far away from their, where they live. Um, so, for instance, they were planning to go to Turin, but then lockdown happened, and, you know, so it's quite lucky that they're in Dublin, and Dublin is, well, as we know, you know, Ireland has dealt with this incredibly brilliantly. And Varadka is the last day today for Varadka. And there's a new Taoiseach, um, whose name I can't, I've forgotten his name. I think his first name is Michael, maybe. But anyway, a new Taoiseach. But they were saying that they weren't particularly big Varadka supporters, my friends in Dublin. But he's done a, an amazing job uh, at, you know, kind of working out how to kind of negotiate the coronavirus. And uh, my friend was saying this really interesting thing. He said that 
he knew that he had lost the election so they just had an election in Ireland when would it have been I can't remember now February or March but basically before lockdown and Varadkar lost that and they were in negotiation for a coalition for a long long time which has just been agreed with the Green Party joining these two parties that historically have been uh, kind of you know opposing each other and so as part of that kind of deal Varadkar is leaving the Taoiseach post and so um, but he was saying like you know it, it, it probably um, helped that he was no longer he kind of knew he was no, no longer going to be the, the Prime Minister and so all of his moves in terms of COVID-19 avoidance and cracking down on it were not political and of course that reminded everyone of the most political and least effective leader like you know we got like two people sitting in uh, <laughs> sitting in Greece which has done amazingly brilliantly talking about New Zealand which has done amazingly brilliantly and uh, two people sitting in uh, Dublin and Ireland's done amazingly brilliantly and even Italy have kind of like you know they've like lockdown is working in Italy do you know what I mean and Italian uh, deaths are still happening every day but nothing like the UK deaths and we'll see where we are in terms of you know I know that the peak obviously was before Britain in Italy um, yeah so really interesting brilliant conversation and um, very good to get you know kind of different perspectives on on this and just the kind of like the weirdness of you know we the, like a friend of mine um, the one of the guys in in Athens uh, he was in like, he's a translator so he goes around like Europe a lot travels a lot and he just so happened to be in London a couple of days before uh, lockdown but he got back to Athens just in time you know another friend of ours who lives in Athens they were saying that she like literally got one of the last flights out of London you know like <laughs> so she could have been stuck in fucking London you know not that I mean I love London and one of the dudes on the call was in London and you know happy as Larry in London Hello and welcome to a special uh, and one-off episode of the episode within the episode of the episode within the episode within the episode of an unboxing of a mask. So we received these masks a couple of days ago. There's three of them and they're from a company called Case to Fi. And Casetify make cases for mobile phones, as far as I can tell. And the thing about these masks is that they're made of cloth and they come with um, a filter inside. So anyway, let's open it up. So what we do is I'm just opening it. Maybe you hear that in the background. So we've got a black mask folded in half and just unfold it so the word case to fi 
is uh, printed onto the fabric mask. I guess it's cotton. And uh, below that, it says cloth mask PM 2.5 activated carbon filter, reusable dash interchangeable. Okay, no writing on the back. And there's a, a, a two hoops for the ears. Okay, I'm just putting it on. Just putting it on now there. Oh, there we go. So now that's great. So that looks quite nice and it fits pretty well. Not exactly snug, but I do have quite a small head for a human, for a human male adult. And also in the, um, so the, the bag that I'm taking it out of is in itself a kind of, you know, design masterwork. It's, it's a plastic square, white plastic square with a large window, kind of display window in which you could see the mask, but the mask is on the table now. And uh, I've also pulled out a, a small plastic packaging, a kind of transparent, almost like a cellophane um, square of packaging, like a little cellophane envelope really. You hear that? And in there, there are two filters. So I'll pull one of them out and they say, uh, kind of imprinted into the filter, a uh, nice bit of embossing going on there. Oh no, the, the opposite of embossing. What's that called? Indenting? Um, anyway, it says PM 2.5. So that's obviously some kind of, you know, filter gradation, I expect. And there's two of those in there. So they look quite kind of, um, you know, surgical. They look quite clinical and quite surgical. And you're, you have to, oh, okay, so look, there's a little slit in the back of the mask here. So let's actually get one of those out and put it in the... Right, so that just takes a bit of time to work out how to put it in. But it does go in, it's quite roomy in there. And I notice on the website for Casetify, it says that you can buy extra filters through the, through the website. And with this, with this uh, mask here that I've got from Casetify, what they do is they donate a, a surgery mask to, you know, people that need them. I think it's in the States they donate them um, for every mask that you buy. So we've bought three and they will donate three as well. And they've also got a little kind of table here to talk about the effectiveness of the masks. Effectiveness against 0.3 micron particles. So the cloth mask with filter that I've got here, which I've set up with my filter in it now, that's 70% effective. The surgery mask that they give out to their, to their like key workers in the States, for every mask, like, you know, so I've donated three, as it were. That's about, what's that, about 95%, it looks like, maybe 94%. And then the N95 mask, which is the proper full-on, you know, um, PPE protective equipment, you know, best of, if you like, is, it looks like 98% or so. 
So there we go. So 70%, pretty good, pretty good, you know, definitely worth uh, wearing. And um, interesting as well with the filters that you can get other filters. Maybe I should kind of just put, you know, filter after filter after filter. So my, so it looks like I've got a kind of, you know, horse mound of a, of a nose and mouth, a horse mound, nose and mouth, like a kind of great big block. Like I've got a chalk ice down there. <laughs> anyway, so there we go. Let's case the fight. And I think it cost something like 36 pounds. Yeah, 12 pounds each. I think it was around about 36 pounds. So not cheap, you know, but also not that expensive considering the massive benefit of wearing a mask. <laughs> Thank you very much. I run to the shop. I bump into everyone. Say, have you heard? Have you heard the news? There is a podcast called Social Distancer. Share it, like it, tell your friends everything you want to hear about the greatest public health emergency in any of our lives. Bought every day and it is free. Fucking great than the swearing. So this is the daily beefing and uh, 100 new deaths were registered today. That compares to eight in Italy, six in Germany, 26 in France, two in the Netherlands, one in Belgium, six in Poland, six in Portugal. So we can see that, you know, 100 new cases, it will go down slightly on uh, Sunday, tomorrow, and Monday, um, because Sunday is Saturday's figures and Monday is Sunday's figures, as you all know, and then we'll have to see where it goes. But the uh, Independent Sage calculation that 20,000 people will die by April is based on 75 people dying a day. So, or, you know, on average, we're looking at far more than 75, even if you consider the low numbers that are reported at the weekend. You know, for instance, last week it was over 800, the week before it was over 700. And, you know, I'm not entirely sure whether it's going in the right direction. That's before the pubs open up. So, um, yes, pretty grim, pretty grim. He said that Scots should be banned from being Prime Minister, banned from being Prime Minister, Mr Speaker, and that a pound spent in Croydon was worth more than a pound spent in Strathclyde. This is a man who is not fit for office. This is a man who is not fit for office. It has been said, Mr Speaker, the ultimate measure of a person is not where they stand in moments of comfort, but where they stand at times of challenge and controversy. This is a time of challenge. And so I ask that the Prime Minister realise not only is the member racist, he is stoking division in communities. 
Listen to all the toys disagreeing with that. He's talking about Boris Johnson, by the way. This is Ian Blackford, the um, leader of the SNP in Westminster, by the way. Here comes the old speaker. He's got a great voice. Listen to this guy. He interrupts because you're not allowed to call people racist if they're sitting uh, MPs. And at the time, Bojo was the foreign secretary. Listen up. Is referring to a current member of the a current member? Is he not listening? What the? This house, I don't know whether he is. If he is, he should be extremely careful in the language he uses. Bit like Panto there. I don't know whether he is. Hey, he is! He is! He is! <laughs> he should have notified the member in advance. But I would urge him, I would urge him to weigh his words. Mr. Ian Blackford. And they're shouting, more, say more, tell him off more than that. It's like bloody pantomime, isn't it? Now listen to this. So Mr. Ian Blackford just about to get up, but the Tories are not having it. They're saying, you can't call Boris Johnson a racist. Boris Johnson? A racist? Oh, I don't think so. God, tell him off more, Speaker. Tell him off more. And indeed, and indeed, and I think it would be much better if for now he would withdraw any allegation of racism or duh, against any particular member. I what duh? Sorry, I had to do that. I don't think that this is the forum and I don't think it's the right way to behave. Mr. Ian Blackford. Mr. Speaker, I have informed the member, but the member has called Muslim women letterboxes, described African people as having watermelon smiles and another disgusting slur that I would never dignify by defeating. That's not racist, Mr. Speaker. I don't know what it is. Does the Prime Minister honestly believe that this man is fit for the office of Prime Minister? There we go. Fantastic, Ian Blackford. Pointing out, you know, absolutely rightly, that uh, Boris Johnson has got a record as long as your arm for basically, you know, if it quacks like a duck, looks like a duck, tastes like a duck and waddles like a duck, it is a fucking duck. You can't keep saying racist things and then say you're not racist. So there we go. Boris Johnson, the racist. Call it out in the House of Commons. And absolutely, all those Tories can go fuck themselves. Half of them are racist anyway. So I'll leave you now with a little bit of political news in Britain. That uh, useless racist, um, for the first time, Boris Johnson is behind old uh, Sir Keir Starmer in terms of who do you want to be Prime Minister. And for this particular poll, um, polling company, Opinion, who do polls for the Observer newspaper, for the first time since 2015, an opposition, you know, the opposition leader is ahead of the Prime Minister on that question. Who would you rather have as your Prime Minister? Do you want Sir Keir Starmer or Bojo Bonson Johnson, Toby Jug, fuckwit, idiot? Uh, and more people, 2% more people, are saying Sir Keir. So it's quite, you know, encouraging, I suppose, in a way. In a way that kind of doesn't really matter. You know, because everyone's dead anyway. 
<laughs> Thank you for listening and see you later.